Welcome to The Unconventional Path, Entrepreneurship and Innovation Stories and Ideas with Bela and Mike. Hi, I'm Bela Musitz, a former three-time entrepreneur, venture capitalist, and now the recently retired David D. Ray Professor of Innovation and Entrepreneurship at Clarkson University. Bela, I don't get sick of hearing you say that. It's nice. Uh, but I am the unretired Professor of International Management at the Minster University of Applied Sciences, Mike Wasserman. I'm glad one of us is working hard, Bela. Uh, but yes, I'm, I'm glad you are too. It's good. Yeah, it's, what's good for me is good for you. Anyways, uh, back to On Point. Thanks for joining us. Uh, today is a mini episode. Uh, we hope you enjoy listening to this. Uh, we had fun making it. Um, you know, we do this because we're interested in learning new things and keeping on top of how innovation and entrepreneurship is changing. Um, we like to overlay this with kind of some of the lessons we've learned over three plus decades as investors and entrepreneurs and managers and professors. So um, what we're going to do today is uh, share an idea that we've been throwing around, uh, observing what's going on in the world around us, and see if we can uh, come up with some lessons learned in terms of evaluating and, uh, and looking at new technologies as they enter the consumer marketplace. So... Today's mini topic is the new generation of veggie burgers, or as Mike has coined, where's the beef? Yeah. So as you know, uh, this recently there's been a, a, a nice IPO and uh, a company has introduced in a big way uh, a beef substitute that uh, looks, tastes, and feels like beef, unlike your traditional veggie burger, which doesn't maybe be the same shape as a hamburger. Uh, but this uh, has mud, many more applications than just uh, in a hamburger. So, Mike, what's some background on this? Yeah, you know, it's an interesting story. And right now, um, my friends in the startup world are kind of really buzzing about this. And it's made all the headlines and it's made the national news. Um, so I think even people who aren't into startups and finance are have heard of this and are paying attention. So it's one of these crossovers when a startup really makes it into the mainstream kind of news cycle. Um, amidst all the other crap that's going on in the world, people are talking about veggie burgers uh, and they're trying them and they're tasting them. Um, so there's a couple of new technologies that have come into the marketplace where companies have spent a lot of venture capital money to develop um, a new way to make a veggie burger. Previous veggie burgers were based on soy um, or were based on beans. Uh, with some binders, um, different amounts of actual vegetables, and then usually frozen and put into a box. And I'm sure many of you have seen these or tried these. Um, and the product, if my personal opinion, and I've got a bunch, of, I'm not a vegetarian, but I'm kind of a careful omnivore, I guess I would claim, I would call myself. Um, and I have plenty of friends that are vegetarians and vegans. And you know, the product is a veggie patty; it's not a meat substitute. Um, so now these two new technologies, um, Impossible Burger is one, and the Beyond Burger is the second major player that's kind of burst onto the market. And they use a combination of uh, uh, plant proteins um, that aren't soy. Um, so the Beyond Burger uses pea, P-E-A, pea protein that's been processed in a patent-pended way, patent way, patented way um, to make essentially a, a, a new uh, form of protein uh, that looks and tastes more like beef than previous. Um, and then um, there's uh, some different ingredients in the Impossible Burger. Uh, these are genetically modified at the time uh, organisms, and they're used to um, come up, and it's using yeast um, and then a substance called heme, which is they claim is kind of their secret ingredient um, that I think, if I know, remember correctly, is derived from beets. 
Um, so they have a mixture, and that, that gives it some juiciness, and it even looks like it bleeds. It's red, the Impossible Burger. Um, so there's these new technologies to come out, and they've got a couple different models. So Impossible Burger is right now only selling to restaurants. So you can only get it at a, at a restaurant. Uh, you can order a burger. You can't buy it yet in the, in, a, in the retail space at the grocery store, whereas Beyond is doing both. So you can get Beyond Burgers at the grocery store, um, and you can also get them. They've partnered with several restaurant chains. Most um, The one that the public has seen is Burger King is on a limited rollout right now. Uh, so there's some different business models uh, to get these to the marketplace. Uh, beyond, this, the IPO price was $25 a share, and today it's at $155. So the, the market has valued Beyond at over $9 billion, with a B dollars. Um, and this is for a company with projected revenue next year of about $350 million. Um, as I mentioned, Burger King has started. They're working on a national rollout. They're working with other restaurant chains, with both companies tying up right now with restaurant chains and locking in long-term contracts. Um, but th- on the other side of the coin, the major food producers and meat companies, such as Nestle and Tyson, uh, are readying new competing products. So we'll see what happens. Okay. So, Bela, my questions for you, given this. Oh, well, first, have you tried these, any of these? Uh, uh, no, I haven't. But just to be clear... This is not a veggie burger. Correct. This is a beef substitute Correct. that we're talking about. Yep. Right. So there are veggie burgers have been around a long time, but this is a beef substitute. No, I have not tried it, but rumor has it this weekend you did a little barbecue. Is that I right? did, and a picture's worth a thousand words, and it's kind of one of the crappy things about a podcast, right? I mean, the good news is you don't have to look at me, right? But the second is I can't show my barbecue pictures, okay? But, uh, yeah, so we are able here in Germany to get the Beyond Burgers. Um, Impossible Burgers are not available here in Europe. My understanding is because they do contain genetically modified ingredients that they're not allowed in by EU rules. Uh, but Beyond is here in the marketplace. Pretty expensive uh, package, two to a package, and so a big plastic container. Um, fairly pricey over here. But we bought some and we grilled them. And, you know, honestly, it was pretty good. Like, I would try it again, but I wouldn't mistake it for a – a beef burger, I don't think, or at least a finely crafted, locally raised. Again, I'm kind of a careful meat eater, so I usually would eat meat where I know this kind of the source. Um, and even right now, I have a butcher across the street from my apartment that I go to, and that's the, really the only place I buy my meat. Um, and he knows the farmer and things like that. And when I was living in Potsdam, I would get beef from um, from the local farmers. But uh, yeah, so tasted pretty good. I think I overcooked it a little. I'll try cooking it differently. Um, next time a little dried out a little bit. And I think a lot of the, the fat drained out. Um, I saw it, I kind of was careful to clean my grill beforehand and I saw how much fat drained out on the grill afterwards. Um, so, but, but pretty good. Like it was, it was, it tasted good. It didn't taste off or funny. Um, but yeah, not exactly the same, but I don't know if that was a, a, a reasonable comparison. So yeah, that's the story. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing that I always ask myself if I put my venture capitals hat back on. Uh, what problem are we solving, right? Someone comes in to pitch us. Say, okay, so what problem are we solving? Um, and, you know, I don't know. I understand that. Is this a way to provide uh, nutrition to large parts of the impoverished world? Uh, because it takes, you know, a year and a half to grow a cow or a, a pig or whatever. So is this a fast, efficient way of doing that, a low-cost way, so that we can provide better nutrition uh, to, to hungry people in the world. Um, 
is there a meat shortage? I, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, it doesn't seem to me that there's a meat shortage. Uh, given the price of beef in the supermarket, it's relatively pretty freaking cheap when you think about what it what it takes to get that uh, two-pound steak uh, into your grocery shelf. And so the other question I ask myself um, is this fashion. And what I mean by that, is it a fad? Is there a real purpose here? Right, Fashion kind of comes and goes. And is this one of those things that's going to hit the market really big? There's going to be a lot of excitement on it. They do a clever job marketing it. Uh, or is there a real purpose to this? Is there a real a bona fide reason that it's going to have lasting value in the marketplace, lasting demand. Um, and I don't know the answers to most of those questions I just asked, but those are some of the things that, that kind of revolve around in my head. Yeah, I don't think they're, you know, interesting. I've tried to read up on this and listen to some interviews and things like that with executives. And, you know, is the, is the target market vegetarians? And to that, I talked to some of my vegetarian friends. Are they really interested in eating something that looks like meat, right? And for most, the answer was no. Is it for me, people like me who like to eat meat but are not comfortable with the ethical implications of eating meat or the environmental impact? As we know, beef cattle ranching is very bad for the environment in terms of the flatulence of the cows and the water usage. Um, from an animal rights standpoint, the treatment of the animals is obviously, I think, something that needs to be considered all these things have reasons, but what's really driving the sales of these patties? That's the, the big question. And are those people going to come back? I think a lot of people will try it once or twice. Will they keep coming back and paying a premium price is the, is the critical question. Or can the price come down, right? If indeed it's cheaper to do it this way at scale than it is to raise and slaughter a cow, right? Can this eventually undercut the price of beef um, and really shift the market? Yeah, so maybe one, one way to think about this is uh, farms uh, have great capacity to produce lots and lots of soybeans, lots and lots of beets, and some of the ingredients that you mentioned. Um, and our ability to do that, you know, per acre has been going up quite dramatically uh, in the last 30, 40 years. And so is this a, a low-cost way to sort of shift from high-cost beef, high-cost meat uh, into providing the same types of nutrition, taste, texture, etc. Um, but it's a it's a more efficient, more cost effective way, and the large players, the Tyson's of the world, etc., can enter this market in a big way and really drive the price down. Uh, and be better for the environment at the same right, time. Right, right, exactly. Be better. That's what I meant. Well, that's what I was, I was trying mm -hmm. to say in that long winded paragraph. Was it's better for the environment and it's better for you and I as, cons as, as consumers of the product, uh, it may not uh, lead to some of the challenges that we have uh, with coronary disease, et cetera, uh, because it's a plant-based product. Right. It's less cholesterol. But I would argue, and this, I looked at the nutrition labels and I've been thinking a little about this, is this is a highly processed food, right? And in some ways, a highly processed food with added fats and um, and things like this, you know, are, are, is how much better is this than a burger that's been raised humanely and not with chemicals and additives and things like that? And yeah, there's there's trade offs, but it's not like it's not like eating a, a you know a, a salad, right? Or it's not like eating veggies and beans and grains, right? It's that are in their whole form. So this is this processing thing kind of 
uh, in equal evil, right? And I don't know the answer to that question, but I think time will tell in terms of how the market accepts or rejects this. Yeah. Well, they're certainly swimming against the tide when it comes to uh, genetically modified uh, plants and yeah, and this impossible. processing yep. processing stuff, right? I mean, the trend uh, seems to be moving away from processed foods, and these guys are kind of bucking that trend. So uh, you make an excellent point there, Mike, and it'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. Yeah. What do you think about, um, you know, is there room for new entrants? So now we've had this explosion of these two new technologies on board and they're all over the place. If you're if you've got an idea, are you are you screwed for this? Like, is this it? Is there no more room? Is there is this going to attract more capital? What do you think? What are the what are the trade offs of getting involved in a market where you're not the first mover? Well, I think you got to I think there are opportunities if you're not the first mover. Oftentimes, you know, I, I, I have. I don't know if I agree with uh, what has been coined the first mover advantage. Uh, oftentimes, the first mover uh, makes mistakes and plows the way for the second, third, and fourth guys. Uh, I think mm-hmm. there is opportunity here. Um, and, and I think the valuable things can be scale. If you bring scale to the table, then I think you can make inroads here. Uh, a scale By scale, I mean not just the ability to produce – but also scale on the distribution side. So you, you have relationships with, within the distribution channel, uh, the supply chain on both sides of that supply chain. Uh, so I think there's opportunity there. And we're talking about food here. I mean, look at all the different brands of chicken you can get at the store. And, you know, so there's room. Uh, I think, I think if, if I compare walking down the bread aisle at my grocery store uh, 30 years ago to what the bread aisle looks like today, <laughs> there's, you know, there's four or five times more choice and more variety. So I think because of technology, because of our distribution capabilities and our supply chain capabilities, um, more choice is a trend that's been going on for the last 30 years, not less choice. Uh, so I do think there's opportunity for new entrants. I like it, Bela, and I think this is a nice way to kind of wrap up this mini segment. It's this idea of this is not the end of the chapter uh, or the end of the story on on these meat substitutes. It's really the beginning, right? And I think this is just the first chapter, and there's many more chapters to be written. And I think 30 years from now, if you you and I are fortunate to be still breathing and living, we will see a bunch of different options and a bunch of new technologies, and we'll remember, oh, yeah, I remember when we had this kind of Beyond Burger craze, right? And this IPO and it was all frothy. And look now, we've got 10 different options with 10 different technologies and it's cheap and it's healthy and, and hopefully hopefully we'll see progress marked. So I don't think entrepreneurs in this space um, should give up on, on, on innovating in this space. I think it's just really just starting to become, become ripe. You might have missed out on this first IPO where the company is trading at this ridiculous premium and will never match that value in terms of revenues, in my opinion. But I think there's lots of room for people to, A, make great, great products that serve, um, that serve humanity right, uh, and, and, and make some money at the same time. Excellent. I agree, Mike. Let's wrap this one up. All right. Thanks for joining us. Uh, We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed making this podcast. Uh, Two small requests as usual. If you have questions or comments about what we discussed or suggestions about future topics or future guests, get in touch. Our email is bela.and.mike at gmail.com. And if you like what we're doing, hit subscribe or like in your podcast app. And if you really want to be a friend, write a review. Uh, We appreciate it. All right. So that's it for this week. Thanks for spending time with us. 
We look forward to having you joining us for our next episode. Signing off from upstate New York. Hey, Mike, see you next week. Thanks, Bella. That's great. And signing off from the land of the sausage, right? But we talked about veggie burgers. We'll see if these <laughs> break into the, uh, the world of Wurst, as we say here in Germany. But signing off from Münster, thanks a lot and see you next week. This podcast is produced for Mike and I by our friends at Busy Media of Schenectady, New York. They can be found at busymedia.co. 